Let's be honest, the news about the world around us right now can be pretty overwhelming. It's easy as an affirming Christian to feel overwhelmed and just want to check out of all of it. But here's the good news. We were called for such a time as this to raise our voices and do something every day that shows our Christian values of love and justice. Our producer, the freaking deacon, Ross Murray's newest book, The Everyday Advocate, Living Out Your Calling to Social Justice, helps you figure out what you can do to advocate for the issues that are important to you. Now, you know Ross from his work on this podcast, so you know he'll tell you stories, stories about strategies that worked and times when things went all wrong. The Everyday Advocate keeps things practical. It's all about figuring out what you can do to make the world a better place and then doing it right now. Check out The Everyday Advocate from the Fortress Press or at rossmurray.org. R-O-S-S-M-U-R-R-A-Y.org. You won't regret it. Hey, yes, Jesuits. Today's show involves breaking and still unfolding news. Since recording this episode, there's been a lot of conversation between the LA Dodgers and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Now, if you're interested to see how this story has evolved since we recorded this episode, then please see the link in our show notes. Thank you. Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints. I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another perpetually swinging episode of Yash Jesus. I'm Daniel Franzese, and as always, I'm here with my bestie who gets none. <laughs> but always in the swing, Azariah Southworth. But don't worry, because here at Yash Jesus, we believe... Performative allyship is really just swinging your dicks instead of your bats. You don't mess with the sisters of perpetual indulgence. Mm. The ball's on mm. you, baseball people. <laughs> That's right. And we need more sports puns in this episode. How many can we squeeze in? <laughs> I don't know. Let me get up to bat right after. Now, this show is going to be all about the queer Christian news segment because we are going to get into it with our very special guests who are going to help break down this whole sisters of perpetual indulgence versus the L.A. Dodgers thing. And for now, I'm just going to recap the basics. So here it is. The Los Angeles Dodgers were planning a Pride Night in June. The Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were one of the groups invited to be special guests. And the Dodgers were going to present the Sisters the Community Hero Award as the team's Pride Night in June. Well, This got right-wing Catholic groups all up in arms. They even got Senator Marco Rubio, who doesn't live in L.A. but lives in Florida, to criticize the move. The L.A. Dodgers caved. In a statement, the Dodgers said, Given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the sisters' inclusion in our evening, and in an event not to distract from the great benefits that we have seen, the money that they've seen, over the years of Pride Night, are we are deciding to remove them from this year's group of honorees. Now, since then, so disgraceful, the Dodgers' statement has been condemned by many. Including us. L.A. sisters said they were disappointed to miss the Dodgers Pride Night, but they said we will return our focus to what we've always done. Go back on the streets of Los Angeles and look for the people whose voices are never heard. People who are shunned and kicked out of their families because of who they are. There is so much to say about this, but we're going to save it because we have some experts and some expertise with us today and they're going to help us. 
Yes. But first, let's get to our praise report and our prayer request segment of the show. Now, this is where if you have something that you want to pray about, a little bit extra, let us know. We'll add it to our prayer list, and our Yash Jesuits will pray along with you. But in addition, if you got something that you're excited about, that you want to hallelujah about, let us know, and we'll hallelujah along with you in our praise report. We're going to start with a prayer request. Yes, this comes to us from Lena. Lena says, please pray for me. I will go back to my family after seven months. I am living in a different country. The last time I was there, it didn't feel like home, more like a cage I am trapped in. Please pray for these bad memories can be swiped away and wounds can be healed. Oh, I'm sorry, Lena. Sometimes it's hard to go back into uh, a space where you ran away from a lot, in a lot of ways, you know, or grew out of. Uh, but you do have family there and where there's green, there's life and there's love and try to focus on the things that you do like about being home. And we will pray for you that some of those bad memories could go away and your wounds can be healed for sure. And just remember this. You are an adult, and you get to decide where you're going to be when you want to be there. So just remember, if it ever becomes too much, you have every right and every ability to get up and leave as needed. So keep that in your back pocket, but I hope it proves to be a healing time for you and and a good time. Yeah, we will keep you in prayer. And also we have a praise report, Azzy. This comes to us from James. James says, truly, I thank you both for permeating Christ's love to the outcasts, which we are, and the queer community. I found my virtual tribe through this platform, and I consider y'all as my church family, blessings and love. Thank you. Turn to your neighbor, James, and give him a big hug. <laughs> and maybe, <laughs> a little, so maybe a little kiss on the cheek. <laughs> yeah, I mean, us with donuts and lemonade and fellowship at the end of this. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here uh, celebrating with us and Bible wondering. Um, it's good to have community. The community feels yeah. just as great uh, to me and Azzy as it does to all of you. So thanks so much for reaching out and let us know about your presence. It, it means so much. Uh, we'll be right back after this with the scripture of the day. It's the scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. It's the scripture of the day. It's sick, sick, soul food. Let's do it. This one is a parable from Jesus that is so appropriate for our episode today. Matthew 21, verse 28 through 32. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. And you did not believe him. The tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. I'm a little confused by that one. Uh, it means I'm going to heaven first. That's what it means. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a tax collector and a prostitute. <laughs> Pretty much. Which Maybe son we... did better? Which son Which... did better? The one that said, oh, I'll do it. and and the, Or the one that said, I will not do it. And later he said, fine, I'm going to go do it. 
or the one that said, oh, I'll do it, and then didn't do it, because I'm kind of guilty of both when my parents asked me to do stuff. <laughs> we all my mom goes, take out the garbage on your way out, and then I just kind of sneak out. You know? <laughs> <dumb>. Relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should call in the freaking deacon to give us a little uh, a little bit of understanding context for this. Sure. So this is how why I chose this. Uh-huh. I think this story should be read at the beginning of every Pride season because it is the difference between who says what they're going to do and what's important and then who actually does the work. Uh-huh. Uh, and this story has one son who says, yes, I'm going to go do it. I'm such a great son. I'm such a great ally. But then when it actually comes time to do the work, doesn't show up. And we've got another son who sort of grumbles and complains. But you know what? He actually did the work. And that's what I think gets really important. And it shows up when we talk about who supports pride, um, performative allyship, the corporatization of pride, and this week's story with the LA Dodgers. When it gets hard, are they going to stand by it? Or do they just want to say nice things until it got hard? Gotcha. Thank you, freaking Deacon Rosemary. No, that's Thank good. You. I actually, this hits a little home because I kept saying to myself before I came to Florida, I'm going to throw out my garbage. I'm going to throw out my garbage. And then my friend Azzy actually came to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you are going to heaven before me, Azzy. <laughs> I mean, You're a prostitute and you, do, and you throw I'm out a prostitute the and I'm a tax collector and I, and I do take the garbage out. <laughs> I actually do like that sentiment, though, because there are a lot of people that are like, I'm here, I'm ready, let's go, and don't actually show up on the day. And then the people that do show up, you know, they really are the the real heroes of the story in that story. Um, you know, that Bible story is also strongly connected to our queer Christian news. Who says things and who does things? Mm-hmm. Who steps up to the plate? Get it, Essie? Do you get it? Hey, better, 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 better. There's a lot to say about the Dodgers, but we want to get to it with some experts on the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Not just experts on the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, but actual sisters. Sister, sisters you've been on my it. mind. Is that the one you got? I was doing sisters <laughs> are doing it for themselves. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Every time I see a Sister of Perpetual Indulgence, that's the song that plays in my head. <laughs> sister, you've been on my mind. Well, let's get to our first guest. Now, our first guest is Sister Roma from the San Francisco chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Now, I just want to read some of her accolades. Number one, she's my friend. Number two, (laughs) the most photographed nun in the world. That's a trademark. Uh, San Francisco's most notable drag queen in 2011. SF Pride's Grand Marshal in 2012. The Bay Area's best activist in 2014. She was obviously sleeping in 2013. Life Space <laughs> Community Advocate Award in 2017. And the SFAF Cleve Jones Leadership Award in 2019. And the Gay VN Hall of Fame in 2022. Wow, Sister Roma. You work. <laughs> That's just a partial list, Danny. But no, thank you for pointing those, those, um, those out. I mean, it's been quite a career. I've been doing this for 35 years, you know, and when you're around long enough and you show up for things, people notice. So <laughs> work. And well, now we get to have you with us to help break down the truth of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and this kerfuffle with the LA Dodgers. So tell us a little, do you want to, how do you want to start this out? Do you want to tell us a little bit about what the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence is? Sure, I'd be happy to. Okay. I mean, I, there are still a lot of people who who are not familiar with the sisters, even though we started, we were founded here on Easter weekend in San Francisco in 1979, 
And basically, it was, honestly, there was, like, five guys who were just fed up with the whole Castro clone look. Everybody was in this, like, leather jacket, plaid shirt, tight jeans, which was fine. But, you know, it's kind of like everyone looked the same. And they had these nuns habits that they had borrowed from a convent in Iowa. And they just threw them on on Easter weekend and went out to the Castro and the Hate and to the nude gay beach. And Sister Vicious Power Hungry Bitch who is one of the founders, <laughs> says that everywhere they went, they caused, like, um, psychological car crashes. Honestly, nobody had ever seen. At the time, the sisters hadn't all adopted the white face makeup that we wear today, so it was, like, just men with mostly beards walking around dressed like nuns, and people mm-hmm. were, like, lost their minds. So, it was, you know, it started as just, like, guerrilla theater to honestly just to go fuck with yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, but, that's one of the things I love about uh, San Francisco, whether it comes to like the cockettes or, you know, just there's all this different uh, queer performance art, art, artivism that comes out of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence on the show before. We usually highlight the Hunky Jesus contest that you celebrate every reasons. Easter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but for people who have only heard the headlines or whatever Marco Rubio said about you, who would you say are the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Well, so shortly after the Sisters formed, they decided to get together and actually form a group that came up with the name. Uh, HIV AIDS started to ravage the community and people were dying. And the Sisters were honestly the first group ever to produce a safer sex pamphlet called Playfair that mm. addressed ways to protect told the community like using plain language and humor and illustrations like with nuns with rulers and things about how to protect yourself from STDs. And the sisters were one of the first groups ever to hold a fundraiser to because people like a lot of people. I mean, I live some of this, but people were so suddenly overcome with HIV AIDS. But this is even before there was what they knew what it was. And one day you'd see a healthy friend and a week later they would have lost weight and they could be covered in purple cancerous Mm -hmm. spots on their face and they lost their jobs they lost their homes they lost their friends people were afraid to touch them and the sisters would seek these people out quite often they'd be alone in the back of a dark bar and the sisters would go in and engage them in conversation because these people were lonely and they hadn't had anybody and sometimes they would ask for a hug and the sisters always said yes And that's when I knew I had to join this organization. So at the very root of who we are, it's compassion. And it's it's also activism because we are very uh, ferocious protectors of civil rights in the First Amendment. Yeah, the Hunky Jesus contest is not the only thing that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence do. It's not the only program like like you just shared the reach out uh, assistance that you did in our community with people living with HIV AIDS. is is a big part of it. I when I lived in Vegas, I used to go to the uh, annual Red Dress event. And mm-hmm. for those who don't know, if you ever get when you see the opportunity to go, go. It's such a good time. Everyone has to wear a red dress. If you don't have one with you, they have one for you to put on at the door. And it's such a good time and a great cause to raise money for those living in hospice care and um, who need assistance. Um, but. You started your ministry when everyone, including the Catholic Church, were ignoring people dying of AIDS. So it seems so odd to say that you are anti-Catholic. It seems like the Catholic Church was anti-LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ, anti-AIDS, anti-everything. Correct. So 
I mean, in the years that have passed since then, the order has grown and the, the communities that we serve have grown. We work with women's breast cancer. We support Black Lives Matter. We support the trans community. We support queer arts. Literally, you'll find us every holiday out serving meals to unhoused neighbors. Um, we're not, honestly, like we are not anti-Catholic. We're not, we, I personally believe that there are some really important, great messages in the Bible. There's some important lessons to learn. There's, 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 there's rules to live by that if you have to, that help us coexist and they're beautiful mm -hmm. messages. Mm -hmm. The thing that the sisters are protesting is the way that people choose to interpret the scripture and the yes. word and use it as a weapon. Yeah. And they therefore feel that they have the right to oppress and discriminate yeah. against anyone that they choose, including and especially queer and trans people. Yeah, preach. And that's what the sisters are protesting, really. You so people come up and they're all pissed. I'm like, I'm not mocking nuns or your religion. I'm mocking you if you can't yeah. realize, yeah. you know, who we are and how how evil really it is to use the word as your as a weapon. It's, mm -hmm. it's uh, bothers me, well, I, S Sister Roma. I'd like to ask you, like, what what was a, a probably one of the most important works that you think you've done with the, the sisters of perpetual indulgence like what is something that really you were just like wow I'm, I'm i'm involved in something so incredible here well really early on like it i so i joined in 1987 i had just moved to san francisco and with uh in 1989 there was a huge rise in hate crimes people were attacking queer people around the Castro and in the cruising the cruising Dolores Park area. And I was just so pissed off because someone that I knew well had been viciously attacked and hurt. And I was like, you know what, I have a platform and I have a Mac SE 30 or whatever the computer was at the time. So I sat down and I designed a poster that said stop the violence. And I put the iconic pink triangle in the middle of it. And we started, uh, it was, my idea was it would be like a window distribution placard program because Growing up, if you, I don't, we had a thing called the Block Mother program. And if you saw a hand in a window, it signified a safe place to go for if you were being bullied or needed help. So I thought, well, we'll put these pink triangles in all these windows. And then people will know if they're being attacked, they'll see a safe place. Oh. So we went out and did this huge distribution. And then I was like, oh, but we're in San Francisco and everybody lives behind a gate and their windows are seven stories mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started to ask local businesses to put the posters up and everyone of course in the Castro did and we did it throughout the city and then we added a whistle distribution. So I actually started the Sisters Stop the Violence campaign very early on and that, that is something I'm very proud of and we still do it today. What a great example of some of the awesome work that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence does which is why the LA Dodgers were honoring the LA chapter of the Sisters um, anyway for a humanitarian award and you know so you aren't in L.A., but what was your reaction to the news of all of the right-wing cries and of the Dodgers folding to the Catholic League and rescinding that award? Well, the day started out so beautifully. I was really happy for my Los Angeles sisters because they've served that community for 27 years. Mm -hmm. And none of us do the work we do for accolades and recognition after you just read that long list of my awards but <laughs> honestly that has not ever been the motivation and and the sisters never expect to get recognition like that so when i saw that the dodgers were going to give their hero award to my sisters at pride night at the i mean it was huge i was tweeting and saying congratulations to the sisters and thank you to the dodgers and honestly like two hours later 
they completely cave to all those loud, hateful, negative voices that that are no stranger to us. I mean, mm-hmm. like we hear it all the time. But it was really disappointing to see that they that they caved in so quickly and listened to the rhetoric and the lies. Right. It just proves that we have such a huge battle ahead of us. And it's especially chilling that it could happen in L.A. because one of the voices was Marco Rubio in Florida. And we all know what's happening in Florida. I mean, it's literally a fascist state. Like they're stripping all of our rights and protections away. You can't talk about us in schools. You can't get your children gender affirming care. Doctors, nurses can decline services to you just because it goes against their personal religious beliefs. I mean, it's Super scary. And to think that he could send a letter and it would affect us in Los Angeles, it does not bode well for Mm -hmm. queer people, for trans people, for anybody who wants to remain in a democracy. Like, it was horrifying. Yeah. I'm recording this right now from Florida, and uh, the climate here in the the queer community um, is just that. I mean, I know Tampa canceled their celebrations, and uh, there was another uh, pride that canceled. Uh, Wilton Manors has decided not to showcase drag. Um, I think that drag is such a, an important part of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being there, there's only two months of my life that I wasn't with my family because I was gay. It was when I came out of conversion therapy and they convinced me to tell my mom it was her fault. And then I moved into like this little guest house of this gay couple for just two months and I wasn't speaking to my family because I got in a big fight with them, you know, obviously. Uh, my mom being so affirming and supporting my whole life, but then me being brainwashed into telling her, you know, to alienate myself from her. Wait, wait, wait. And they wanted I, you to blame your mother for making you gay or for sending you to conversion yeah, therapy? Yeah, my, my mom was basically my ally. She was the one who was letting me be who I wanted to be. And so they their thing was, that, that's the reason you're having these Well, feelings. how did you end up in conversion I, therapy with a mom like that? Uh, you know, <laughs> not to get into the whole story and go off on the rails, but... I it was it was Florida. It was the environment. It wasn't my family. It was church. It was everyone else telling me that I didn't belong. Oh, how Christian! It, it was how lovely. The, it was the it was yeah. It was the feeling of everything else that sort of uh, made me go there, which is so crazy. You know, perhaps if we stayed in New York, I might not have felt that way. Uh, but during that time, you know, I it was it was a struggle to pay my rent. It was a struggle to like survive. I was just starting out as an actor, and you know, going from musical to musical wasn't exactly lucrative and i remember just sitting in a gay bar on a sunday or a monday just needing to be around community and not really having money even for a cocktail or anything and this queen came up to me and said you look like a boy who needs a burger (laughs) and you know she bought me a burger and i can't tell you how much that burger meant like i oh i tear up and i get emotional about it because I really did need a burger. Right. And, and, and in addition to that, uh, she passed away of AIDS complications. And it was my first sort of AIDS funeral that I, I, I attended. And it was one of the most beautiful celebrations of life that I've ever been to because uh, everyone was so sad. But the mayor of Walton Manors, who was speaking at her funeral, said, you know, she's a performer and she wouldn't want to see everyone sad. So could we please give her a round of applause? And it was like a 10 minute nonstop standing oh, ovation. And, what was her name? What was her name? Her, her name was Morgan Manchester. And she was just lovely. And, you know, it was a, it was a good example. But to me, that that was my introduction to drag. My introduction to drag was, you know, the, a partner 
of someone I was in a musical with who who was this amazing Miami drag queen Electra that sort of like opened all the velvet robes for me and said, you've never been to a gay club? Let me show you what that's like. And kind of ushered me into like the community. There are mascots. There are people who reach out to us. They're the ones who give us the hug in the dark corner of the bar. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who give us the drink ticket or tell us about the guy across the room that we want to know about and give us all the tea, you know? <laughs> you, I, I know even now, even now that I could walk into any queer bar in this country. And if there is a drag queen there, I have an instant friend. I'm not alone at the mm-hmm. bar. I love that. And, and the sisters go even one step further. Um, I think by, you know, the image of a nun for a lot of people who, who find that image holy and sacred, it, it is a satellite to go to. And, and when you see a nun in drag, as a queer person, it's an affirming satellite. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's such an important part of our community. I, I, I'm so grateful for all that you have done. We uh, we met um, in San Francisco when I was filming Looking. Yes. Uh, for those that don't know, Sister Roma was in my uh, parody music video of Sam Smith's Stay With Me called Please Go Home. <laughs> Which was amazing. <laughs> Which, <laughs> so good. Yes. But even in that video, you know, they were dealing with that time where drag queens were being stripped of their of their uh, new names and having to post dead names for a lot of people, for trans folks on Facebook. And even in the video, you're there holding a rose saying a rose by any other name. You were even having activism into a comedy Well, moment. I love that you did um, that. And- that was really, really thoughtful of you. Because the other thing that I'm really proud of is the My Name Is campaign. And that is when I started to fight Facebook so that queer, trans, and other people could use the names that they are known by in our community, their chosen names on the on the website. And that was another global movement that actually spent years with Facebook in meetings to help them try and understand how our community identifies. So that meant a lot to be in that video. That was that was so much fun. Yeah, well, I, I have to give credit to Adrian Anchanda who wrote the video and, and put that and all together. And played your boyfriend um, in, the, in the video. It's so good. I should be so lucky. I should be so lucky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, you know, I just wanted to thank you for all of your years of service. Honestly, like we give you all of the flowers Mm -hmm. um, and we're so grateful to you. Would you have any prayers for the L.A. LGBTQ community? Well, I hope that the way I look at it is like I've been involved with a lot of, of corporate events and organizations where they have like an LGBTQ group in their in their company and they plan these things. And I'm sure that there was L, uh, clearly there were LGBTQ, all of us, there was somebody from our side in this team that was planning Pride Night and they understood who the sisters are and the great work mm-hmm. that we do and that, that the LA sisters deserve this award. Mm-hmm. But then when that, that barrage of hate came and the letter from Marco Rubio, they're, the people at the top, their executives who fi- make the final decisions were probably so taken aback and shocked that they just had this knee-jerk reaction and it was fear-based. And mm-hmm. it, those voices, even though I'd like to believe they are the minority, are very loud. And I, I believe that the Dodgers reacted um, uh, out of fear. And I, I hope that everyone can take this as a learning moment. I hope that the Dodgers, after seeing the huge amount, like I feel like the voices that came at them to protest, the voices that have come back to support the sisters and counter protests. I mean, everybody is pulled out of, of the Dodgers Pride Night. Like literally, they don't have an okay. event anymore. Good. So I hope that they can. Yeah, they lost the LGBT Center. They lost LA Pride. They, uh, you know, many people are all um, boycotting. I mean, Everybody, I don't like yeah. sports anyway, but I'm not going. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I hope that they can take this as a learning moment, and that they can make a truly public apology. And I would like to see him invite the sisters back. I would like to see everybody come back. These large scale, big, visible events are really important to our community right now. 
We need to have queer and trans people represented and seen. We need to have drag seen and appreciated yeah. and supported because we're in danger. Like, honestly, we are. And I'm so proud to say that here in San Francisco, I am working with the Giants on a really special Pride Night and a celebration honoring Heglina, who we mm. lost this oh, year. Oh, oh, yeah. how lovely. Yeah, and we're going to have a drag show and it's going to be like on the like on the field. Because yeah. a lot of people don't even know this, so you're getting a full scoop. But it's going to be an amazing VIP ticket experience, affordably priced. Uh, wonderful. Peaches Christ and I are working with the Giants to to produce it and host it. Beautiful. Well, if you need any help or any amplification of your efforts, we're here for you. I or, yeah, that. if you need some religious trade there, let me know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you know, like drag queens really are the, like the like Danny shared the first light that we often witness in our community, and sometimes for some of us, the last light that we get to witness in our community. And and I, I feel that drag is so important because so many of us, when we share our stories of coming out or our first understandings of who we are as as gay men or lesbian women, um, LGBTQ people, uh, I know for me it was it's always going back to dressing up in my mom's clothes or putting on the heels, you know, and feeling your oats, you know, and, and so drag to me is that empowerment to, to slay that shame that was put on us and that, that we were taught to feel about putting those things on, you know, and, and drag is, is so many things, but one of the things that it is, is as uh, Flaming Grant says, a, a wonderful nude queen, she says, you know, it's a shame slayer. And, and I, that's what I, what I witness when I see drag. And, you know, I, I recently learned this past year that my grandpa did drag and that he was Miss Litchfield 1962. And, Shut up. and, you know, like to, to learn that helped me feel more connected to my family and to feel more represented. And, um, so drag is a powerful thing. Um, especially for us queers and to hear that Tampa is not going to, or Wilton Manners is not going to um, be having in drag performances is, is I think it, it takes away from that joy and the, and the light that can be witnessed and that people need to see. Um, so I thank you for shining your light, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, not yeah. for nothing, but the balls on these Dodgers, right? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> they're so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is a travesty, like to 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 ban drag and to have and you, and honestly, you can't have pride without drag because it, yeah. the drag and trans people who are the ones for, even before the before Stonewall, we had the Compton cafeteria riots here in San yeah. Francisco, and mm-hmm. it was in the Tenderloin, and it was trans women and trans men and queens and who were like fed up with the police brutality and the harassments yeah. and actually caused riot. And then in Stonewall, we know the history there. So, and you know, like, they, they want to silence us right now, but all the generations that were silenced, once they realized they had a voice, they're the ones that rioted. So good luck, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, you know what? We face bigger monsters than the giants. We face bigger monsters than DeSantis and mm-hmm. all the other mon- monsters. Uh, because, I mean, like we took on a freaking pandemic like our community literally showed the world how to respond with compassion and grace and care to hiv aids like we saved yeah. our own lives and we showed the yeah. rest of the world how to respond to it so you know we got Preach. this we're gonna be okay but it's just it's just an ugly period right now and we need our allies we need everybody we need young people who are used to these privileges and rights to wake up and realize that nothing's guaranteed none of us are safe we need our allies who who have taken some their child to drag story hour and know what actually happens there 
and other allies who, who love queer people and trans people to speak up and sit down with people and have these conversations. And we need to vote. We need to change it. Yes. We need our people in power. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Sister Roma, for uh, coming on the show with a short notice and just uh, being able to share a part of your story. I appreciate you more than you know. Aww, yes. I love that. Thank you so much. I can't thank wait you. to see you. <laughs> yes. We also have a very special guest here. Now, she's been handling all of the rogue balls that come at her, uh, catching every fly ball. She's the beautifully painted <laughs> face representing the L.A. chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Please welcome to the show, Sister Unity to the Yash Jesus family. Hey. Hey. Shut, up, shut up, it's my interview, mine. <laughs> Stop crying, I fed you a half an hour ago. <laughs> Hello there. I'm Sister Unity, one of the gracious and humble sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, comma, Inc., period. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, Silliness aside, which it never is, thank you so much for having me on, on, on the podcast. Oh, we're so glad to have you. I'm happy to... And Orange you glad to be here. She's decked out in orange for, for our listeners. Sister Unity, we had Sister Roma on earlier today, um, or earlier on this episode. I hope you'll be all right recovering. <laughs> I, I mean, I might need a wheelchair for a little bit, but you know how that goes. She's a juggernaut. Uh, She's some kind of knot. <laughs> Well, Sister Roma talked about the work the sisters do, but the right wing voices really mischaracterized who you are yes. and the work you do yes, such a by pity. saying that you are mocking Catholicism. Yes. And we wanted we wanted to give you a chance to clear the record, darling. Yes. So what's the background of the L.A. sisters? Uh, the L.A. sisters emerged from a vat of orange mylar in 1968 <laughs> after it was irradiated from nuclear test experimentation and uh, the rind of a salami hoagie that fell into the vat <laughs> and the genetics of the salami mixed with the mylar and the radiation to form a small gaggle of drag nuns at the bottom of the vat. And when they poured the mylar out, there we were. Uh, we were taken from the factory by the NSA and debriefed, uh, educated at prominent Northeastern <laughs> Uh, private academies. Uh, some of us attended Harvard. Uh, some of us attended Utah State. Uh, and then we were returned to mm -hmm. Los Angeles, where we've been um, observing the decline of Western civilization and making fruit tarts. I knew it. And if you believe mm, that, salami. if you believe that, there's a new bridge <laughs> over the river at Sixth Street that I would like to sell you. So, in, all, in, in a more earnest vein, uh, the Los Angeles sisters started uh, and, and absolutely grew out of the San Francisco sisters. Uh, the San Francisco trademarked the name uh, to protect it and to protect our reputation from people who might use this silliness and fun to for nefarious purposes or vain purposes or misappropriating money because we are a charitable fundraising organization. But before they did, mm -hmm. in the 90s... Um, it was sort of anyone's, uh, you know, anyone could uh, play Abby Hoffman and steal this book. And so we did. I had been to San Francisco in 1982 when I was, um, uh, 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 when I was a fetus. Yeah, that's how old I was. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And I had uh, <laughs> stumbled upon the LA, I mean, the San Francisco Pride Parade. I'd never heard of it. Uh, and I was just flabbergasted to see like a gay Native American contingent, gay fathers just blew mm -hmm. my mind. I was like, you can do that? Uh, and then the sisters rolled by, <laughs> yeah. and Sister Boom Boom was in the back of one of those convertibles, like uh, Diane Feinstein always sits in the parades, and she was waving a very <laughs> large rubber 
marital aid device and blessing the crowds with it. <laughs> and I was electrified by the, um, the iconoclastic, gay, sarcastic humor, the, the turning around mm-hmm. of a taboo on those who use the taboo to beat us over the head for centuries or right. burn us alive at the stake right. for centuries. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and then just the silliness and theatricality of it. Years later, I moved to Los Angeles and Sister Candy sighed because she couldn't decide on a name, so she's Sister Candy side. Uh, she had uh, also gone to San Francisco, seen the sisters, and she came back and she was like, we're doing this. And she called me up and a few others up and she said, do you know this group? Do you want to get one founded here in LA? And that was in December of 1995. And uh, it's been um, orange glitter and uh, adult diapers ever since. Do you have some <laughs> other names of some of the other sisters that you want to shout out? These names are amazing. I do. Mine's not very funny, because I uh, I practice meditation and I study study Hindu philosophy and the very profound mm-hmm. um, intimate experiences I was having in my spiritual practice I wanted to bring that energy and focus to my ministry in our community so I chose uh, I, I'd been given a spiritual name in Sanskrit that means unity so that's why my name is Sister Unity I also mm-hmm. thought it was kind of you know plur it was kind of a hip concept so the other names that are much funnier than mine are Sister Candy Side Sister Rhoda Kill. Uh, Sister Penny Costell. Let's see, Sister June Cleavage. (laughs) I know her. Oh, do you? (laughs) Biblically, I hope. Uh, Sister June Cleavage is uh, one of my favorites. Um, uh, And and on and on. Um, I've had other names at various times. And Paris Hilton went to jail because I always wear orange because if you squeeze me, you get juice. Uh So when she went to jail, (laughs) she gave up her trademark pink. So I wore pink for that month, and she wore the orange. So I couldn't call myself Sister Unity because I wasn't orange. So I called myself Sister Bow Chicka Bow Wow. <laughs> you know, if I ever join the sisters, I have a name yes. uh, picked out already. Do you? And it's going to be Diana Cross. <laughs> there is, you know, that might be a San Francisco sister. You have to check with no. Roma. You have to check with Roma. No. Yeah, sorry. She's dead to me. We'll have to fact check that. <laughs> oh, you know, Senator, you know, Senator Marco Rubio called our group Diabolical recently. So I was thinking we could call you Sister Diane Abolical. Ooh, I'm into Ooh, it. I'm that into works. it. You know, I'm glad you're bringing up... Um, I hate to say it, Marco Rubio, um, and this situation. You know, this action by the Dodgers is a really great example of performative allyship. They wanted to sell tickets. They wanted to, quote unquote, not get political. (laughs) And the Mm -hmm. second anyone criticized them, they pulled out. You know, so let us know what people, organizations, and even corporations do you think can be real allies to the community? Okay, let me... Let me say what my take, being a teensy-weensy bit on the inside of this whole thing, what my take on what happened at the Dodgers organization may be. Yeah. It is a fair criticism to accuse them of performative allyship rather than real collaboration. However, what I've learned over the last four days from our organizations, the Los Angeles LGBT Center, LA Pride, Out Loud, the the gay uh, LGBT sports organization, is that they've worked with Mm -hmm. the Dodgers for years like 10 years, and that there are upper management persons in the Dodgers who are members of our community. The executive vice president has a, uh, is male and has a husband, is gay, has always been gay, mm-hmm. um, uh, has crawled around on the floors of the bathhouses of Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm making that up. I don't know. Uh, but no, our, oh, our, I know her. Our people are everywhere. Our pe- I mean, I've been interviewed by gay reporters and straight reporters. So our, it's everywhere, including the Dodgers administration and, right. uh, and, mm-hmm. and organization. And so uh, for 10 years, they've had this pride night. Uh, 
And I think that it is mm-hmm. sincere. I think that there is probably uh, some amount of performative allyship among some of their people. But I don't think we can look at them as a monolith. I think we have to look at them as a, a collection of people who I know for sure are right now in bitter disagreement within their own organization. And I expect, mm. I, I'm hopeful, I expect things to change in the next few days. I, I, I don't know what it would be, but just from my understanding of what goes on there, like they've been working on, I'm Billie Jean King. You know, the famous lesbian tennis player. Uh, She is on the (laughs) board and she is heavily invested in the organization. Um, And uh, I have a cousin, um, a shout out to my cousin Susan in New York. She was on the board of directors of the uh, National Gay and Lesbian Task Force for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And she uh, has been a close, intimate friend of Irva Shivad, who, God rest her soul, did so much uh, work with the task force uh, on all our behalves. So she was having brunch yesterday with... um, uh, Irvashi's uh, widow, Kate Clinton, um, the famous comedian, and they know Billie Jean. And so they picked up the phone, I am told. They picked up the phone and called Billie Jean, and Billie Jean was like, it's a bleep show over here. Uh, that was my own bleep. <laughs> so I, I wanted to save you money on your sound technician. But so, so, so the, uh, the, what's going on in the Dodgers is not monolithic, and it is, I think it is uh, wise to refrain from washing them one way or the other until this all settles out, I would say. My guess is in the next week, next mm-hmm. couple of days. Um, so that said, I think there are people in the Dodgers who may have been doing allyship performatively and just thought, okay, uh, the gay people have this, the, the, you know, my lesbian manager has, mm-hmm. has this, they'll take care of it. Uh, whatever they want to do will get us right. uh, you know, beer money. So yay. Um, right, right, but right. those people are having a big pie-in-the-face lesson right now. They have to because they are a California team. They're not a Florida team. They're uh, they're nationally known. Uh, And it also needs to be said that the Catholic League, Catholic vote and Senator Rubio, they addressed uh, the commissioner of the of Major League Baseball, not necessarily the Dodgers themselves. And then Major League Baseball came, mm-hmm. the commissioner came to the Dodgers. That's how I've heard it. Again, mm-hmm. this may not be admissible to Judge Ito, which is how you, the, the uh, Spanish word, <laughs> the Spanish word for a small judge is Judge Ito. Um, <laughs> right. But, but that, I mean, I'm not trying to excuse the Dodgers. It was a, it was the wrong decision. It was just flat out uh, spitting on our community uh, in essence. So, I'm not excusing them. I'm just saying that uh, human beings are behind every one of these things. Uh, Human beings from as lost as Donald Trump to as reclaimable as some of his followers um, to uh, people on our side as well. Some of them are, some of our people get hardline. Some of our people are uh, thoughtful. I think that the Dodgers will turn out at the end. I hope that they will turn out at the end of the day to be a collection of thoughtful people who have come around because our people stood firm in expressing who we are Mm -hmm. and what we will accept and what we will not accept. Amen. You know, I someone over there, I, I'm glad you said that because they're not a monolith, uh, but someone over there had has the power to press the button to make that statement, you know, and, and there are other people at other organizations, you know, that are also not a monolith, but, you know, uh, may have disagreements and that person may have the ability to press the button to rescind, you know, uh, their invitation or um, to recognize the LGBTQ community. Uh, what would you say to those organizations that may be struggling internally and how they can really show up and and be true allies, not performative allies. Your question is really good, and it pulls into it the whole question of whether the sisters mock Catholicism or not. In that, mm-hmm. um, as we're already talking about, everyone, everything is made up of people, 
there are 40, 40 to 45% of LA is Latino, and there is a heavy Catholic um, spiritual participation in that community. So Los Angeles yeah. has a lot of yeah. Catholic community. The Dodgers yes. have these people as constituents as much as they have the LGBTQIA community as constituents. So what do they do? Yeah. They can't throw all in with, with one and all in with another. I think it is incumbent upon any organization like the Dodgers and others who want to not appease, but they want to welcome all of these sectors of communities, because this is America. We are a melting pot. Whether you like it or not, we are diverse. So these mm -hmm. these franchises and companies and corporations who have uh, a mosaic of clients I have to walk a fine balance. And I do believe it's achievable with a good PR team. I do think it's achievable to welcome everyone and to say, you over there drink Budweiser and you over there drink Budweiser. You people in the pink spangly underwear drink Budweiser and you people in the hunting boots and plaid drink Budweiser. And we love you both. And we're here to give yeah. all of you Budweiser. And please don't try to make us a, 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 an organization that crafts political policy because we're just going to make Budweiser and you guys get to drink it and you guys can argue with each other over whose beer tastes better. Uh, I, I don't know how you do that, but I think that I, I think that that's what that what corporations and organizations have to do. They have to say, look, 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 we all are Americans. Find the common denominator. Mm -hmm. We all love baseball. We're all Americans mm -hmm. and we're giving a night over here and then you get the other 365 nights or however many nights there are in a season. So <laughs> live and let live. Do you, I don't know if you guys are old enough. I'm looking at your beards. I don't see gray. So I'm thinking you guys are like the, uh, about as old as a, a pair of Calvin Klein's I bought last week. Um, in the, I, I'm old and hence why I'm wearing this ridiculous thing on my face. Um, I'm old, so I remember the revo the social revolutions of the 60s and the early 70s. And we fought mm -hmm. over, like, would you call them Negroes or do you call them black? Uh, do you call them, uh, can you call them pansies or do you have to call them homosexual? And like all of this mm -hmm. upheaval, like uh, women and what are, why don't women want to do this and that and the other thing like they used to? And why aren't they in the kid? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. All of this fighting and arguing ended up mm -hmm. by 70, what, 73, 74, 75 with this phrase that settled everyone down. And the phrase is, live and let live. Even Archie Bunker learned at the end of various episodes <laughs> to, yeah. to, to calm down and to live and let live. <laughs> and I call upon all segments of our community, conservative, liberal, in between, people who like to put peanuts up their noses, live and let live. <laughs> you are right in your own community and you can be as right as you want to be and you can absolutely eschew anything to do with homosexuality, transgenderism, asexuality, bisexuality, fructosexuality, which is, uh, I do advise experimenting with papayas. Um, and likewise, we in our community will heal ourselves from the humiliation we may have suffered at the hands of dogmatists from uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, communities I won't mention by name, um, and understand that there's room in America, there's room in the world for all of us to be who we are, as we are, free from shame and guilt from each other, and living yeah. in love and joy for our own self and our own corner of America. And that we then leave mm -hmm. 
we leave our little bubble and we go and we rejoin the American discourse where we're going to argue, but we're also going to vote in an orderly manner to decide these disagreements. And we're going to inform each other who we are and where our boundaries are. And it'll all work out. It'll all settle out. I think that's a really gracious response, especially given how horribly you were treated. You talked, you know, when you responded, you talked about continuing to fulfill your mission. You're showing grace even while you're getting no grace. How, how, how does one do that? So there's a correspondence course and you're, you're going to need to buy some hamsters. <laughs> I always Shut tend towards up. the silly. Um, my dad used to be a, a boss of the clown for a local TV station back east. So it's, it's genetic. This is the that. question. This is the question. How do you achieve the ability to ha- hold your anger in your hand? And hold the community member next to you who is spewing forth hate in your other hand. Now, I do advise heavy rubber gloves. <laughs> uh, everyone will have their own way. Everyone has their own way to ha- how to be polite and gracious. I will, deal, I will tell you, if you're patient, Twitter is good practicing ground. It's a, it's a, it's a boxing ring. For me, <laughs> for me, a fair amount of therapy um, but there's two other things that helps me. Two other things that help me. One, like all relationships, particularly marriages, part of be answering the love and answering the togetherness is getting over yourself. What part do you stand? What hill do you stand and die on? What do you give up and get over for the sake of the other person to be able to hear you and hold you? And two is, I have a really firm spiritual practice. I meditate. I chant in Sanskrit. <laughs> um, and for me, that helps yeah. a lot. For other people, it may mm-hmm. be it may be going to church. It may be worshiping the Blessed Virgin. It may be uh, the Eucharist. For other people, it may be nature. It may be going hiking in our gorgeous Santa Monica mountains or our frisky Hollywood mm-hmm. hills. The gay community knows what I mean by that. <laughs> um, it may be the, it may be the uh, rest- restorative ions of the ocean waves. We've got all these resources in Southern California for people to chill out and connect to themselves and to the broader perspective of life. And if you do that regularly, like a, like a practice, like going to the gym, it gets you in a state of mind where you're a little more able to hold and analyze and parse your reactions and to do the same with incoming from other people. There's a great <laughs> Buddhist uh, practice, a great Buddhist practice. There's called the Four Gates of Speech. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of this. There's four gates of speech, and you can practice sort of asking yourselves before you go, like, is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? And if it is those, is this the right time and place for it to be said? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is this the right time and place for it to be said? And sometimes- I have a few friends that can benefit from that. Right? right? Why don't they teach this in high school? (laughs) Anyway, Hi, that's my name's Azrai. I'm one of those few friends. <laughs> Instead, we learned the Pythagorean theorem. Uh, you right. know, Pythagoras yeah. was yeah, over Buddhism the other night. A... Pythagoras was the other <laughs> over the other. He was helping me cut toast to make toast points in isosceles triangles. He is a frisk. He can't keep his hands to himself. I'm like Pythagoras. I'm a nun. He's like, yes, but I'm Greek and you're male. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and all I can tell you is, it took three boxes of Mister Bubble and a champagne flute to get through uh... the evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you, like everything that's <laughs> yeah. been going on as horrible as it is has gotten a lot of attention around the country yes uh you you have a platform so tell our listeners what they could do to help spread the ministry that you're doing 
First of all, you're going to need some Vegemite and the world's largest cakes frosting <laughs> no, spread. Gross. No, no, <laughs> no. Oh it's my a, God, I knew it. I knew no, it. <laughs> no. Uh, here's the thing about America. We, uh, we change two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, five steps back. It's surreptitious, but it mm-hmm. does progress forward. It's that sometimes fear and people who are very heavily subscribed to a discourse or a dogma or a belief take some time to hear people who are different and hear people who have new, new information. Uh, so the ways that you do it are, as we've always done, by making noise, either gentle noise or loud noise, depending on the circumstance. You either teach in, like Martin Luther King, or you make shouting righteous noise, like ACT UP in Queer Nation. Um, but for people who aren't on the street type activists, or you're just at home and you've got kids and you don't have the time and energy, how do you do it? The everyday activist. Exactly. You First, you donate to those who will go out and do the hard work. And you can do that by Googling online for organizations who are fighting a particular cause that you're looking to support. If you're looking to support the, drag, the, uh, the fight against the anti-drag legislation and the horrifying 500-plus pieces of legislation against transgender people, then uh, if you go to our website, ladragnuns.org, and you click on the um, resources tab of our menu, you'll see uh, a lot of ways that you can, a lot of uh, organizations that you can use to fight. There's a sub-menu, this is uh, drag and tra- anti-drag and trans uh, activism, and you'll find ways, uh, organizations that you can support financially, or that you can volunteer. You can call them up and say, hi, I'd like to stuff envelopes, or I'd like to develop policy because I have experience doing that, or whatever it is, you can do that. If you're not even at that level, what I ask you to do is to talk now, this got hard in the Trump years for people uh, because family members were recalcitrant. Uh, but I still say what Harvey Milk said, come out, come out wherever you are, because once they know us, it's harder for them to hate us. Talk about out you, of the, out of, it's, it's, it's sort of out of the bars and into the streets. It's off of the apps and into the streets now. Or off of the couch and into the, I mean, we have straight allies that are a, a profound in number. We went from before Proposition 8, it was something like 30, 40% support in America to like 60%. And now it's up to 80% in America. So talk to your family, talk to friends, water cooler talk. You don't even have to try and convince anyone to change their mind. All you have to do, like the sisters do, but with more fabric, is say, this is what I believe. This is how I treat these people. And that's what I'm going to do. And then the other person knows two things. They know, one, you're unassailable. You can't be budged. And two, this uh, positive reinforcement exists near them. It's in their community. And like it or not, they're going to have to navigate it and relate to it. And that, over time, does change thoughts and opinions. <laughs> Howard Thurman said it best, contact without genuine fellowship breeds hatred. And, you know, it's genuine fellowship that's going to, I think, really bring us back together in unity. Um, but Sister Unity. Do you have a prayer for the Los Angeles LGBTQ community at this time? Yes, I do. And if you will go downtown to the men's restroom in the basement of City Hall, it will be folded up, stuffed inside of one of the toilet paper rolls in the third stall. Uh, Oh, it's like your own wailing wall. It's like a treasure hunt. Uh, For our community, do I have a prayer? Absolutely. By whatever, whatever avatar and embodiment of the transcendent is your choice 
or none at all. May our community be free from all suffering. May our community welcome itself and each other to all tables. May our community welcome the broader American and world community to our table. And may we make new tables together. And may our cranberry sauce never congeal. I mean, I don't want liquidy cranberry Amen. sauce. I'm just saying, Amen. I don't want it to clump up so you can't have it. <laughs> I hear that. Amen. But do you put nuts in your cranberry sauce? It depends on whose. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Mine are pistachio. <laughs> you look like a pistachio gal. <laughs> I, I go to a farmer's market here in L.A. and I buy all of my food uh, from the farmers. Uh, from um, And my pistachios come from the Fresno area um, and they're fresh mm-hmm. and salty. Were they happy pistachios? They are ebullient <laughs> pistachios. So remember, a good diet with enough daily iron includes ebullient pistachios. <laughs> oh, Sister Unity, we always can count on you to come on our show, um, I'm sure, in the future and talk about nuts. Uh, listen, we heard that you also have a podcast. Uh, we want to hear about this. Tell us about that. So not everyone in America is familiar with the genre of TV series, usually found on um, streaming websites and YouTube. It's called Boy Love or BL. It's same-sex dramas that come out of uh, Japanese yaoi and manga. Um, and the uh, genre started being written by women for women, but it has broadened and has a huge LGBT. LGBT uh, fanship, and uh, the producers of the series have now started to swing things more uh, gay and LGBT than just strictly this fantasy of what if a man were in a woman's position in a relationship. Um, And they're produced out of Thailand is uh, prolific, um, but also South Korea and Japan make some very, very fine, fine um, cinematographic and television series. Uh, Vietnam and the Philippines have done them. In fact, the Philippines series are much more sort of gay oriented than some of the other countries. Even Burma and Cambodia Mm. have put out series. China, unfortunately, stopped. There was a fantastic bromance, as we call it, uh, called um, uh, The Untamed. Uh, that uh, you can get on YouTube from China. But after that, another series, the Chinese government clapped down and said, men can no longer appear in Chinese media as effeminate. Like, okay, what does that mean? Like, and, and oh. also like, I'm sorry, <laughs> have you taken a look at the garb and behavior of your his, uh, of your uh, uh, royal lineage in, in, your, right. in your history and art? <laughs> right. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. What's the name of the podcast and where can we find so it? The podcast is called The BL Clinic. And if you Google that, you'll find it. Um, it's let me see if I can find where it is while we're talking. Feel free to ask me further questions as I research where the hell our podcast is located. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I assume like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those streaming platforms where podcasts are distributed. Spotify. Yes, podcasters.spotify.com. Okay. Look for uh, BL Clinic. And also on YouTube, you can look for BL. We've just started to do it on camera and you look for BL Clinic. But I must say... Uh, I'm uh-huh. Sister Unity, and I used to do the podcast in voice only, but I've given up and given over to my roommate, Nurse B. Uh, <laughs> Nurse B uh, Nurse is B. my roommate, and she has taken over the YouTube uh, broadcasts. And it's a funny thing about Nurse B and I. She is never in the apartment when I'm here, and I'm never in the apartment when she's here. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. Mm. Oh, that's the best kind of roommate. A that mystery. is the best kind of roommate. Sister <laughs> Unity, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your insight and your words of wisdom, honestly. Like, um, some of that was really, uh, 
like earth shattering for me. It was nice to hear some of those things that you shared with us. Uh, thank you so thank much you. Uh, for all the work that you do. Uh, we give you all the flowers and all the awards here. I thank you yeah. so much because I am part B and I do need some nectar. So thank you. And, and, and here's to answer your question one more time in, in gratitude to you. Um, the only reason that I can say any of these things is because I have had brilliant, well, well-trained, well-educated people teaching me how to climb out of the hole. And I'm, uh, I, I'm further out of the hole than I used to be. And I feel it's incumbent upon me to share the things that I've learned with other people. Thank you so much for giving me a chance to show people my hole and how to climb out of it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much, Sister Unity. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Sister Unity. And listen, everyone, for your tithe, love offering, charity, act of good this week. Your tithe, love offering, charity, act of good. This Pride season, spend a little time figuring out who is talking the big talk about being an LGBTQ ally and who is doing the actual work of being an ally. By oh, there showing is so up. much performative allyship around Pride Month. Mm, this whole episode, we've we've been talking about it. And make sure you are donating or spending your money, volunteering your time, giving your support to allies who do the work, and giving your vote to the leaders who are also doing the work. That's right. Vote with your vote and vote with your dollar. Now, listen, y'all, yes. you may have followers, but if your followers are not actively engaging with each other and learning from each other and vibing regularly, then you don't have a community. Think about James who reached out to us and Lena, reach out to us today. We want to know who you are. And we want to feel your presence. Also, we want to spread the love to other queer Christian music and artists. So if you're a queer Christian musician and you want us to play one of your songs, send us an email to contact at yashjesuspod.com with a link to where we can find an MP3 file of the songs that you want us to consider. So we're going to get to our closing prayer section, everyone. So please get ready to bow your heads unless you're driving because Jesus can't actually take the wheel. Listen, we're going to start out with some more drag queen <laughs> prayers. That's right. Yes, Jesus was at RuPaul's DragCon this time in London. And while we were there, we got some holy prayers from some divine drag queens. And today we're going to open up our prayer segment with a prayer offering by Norma Jean. I pray, I wish, and I hope for equality for all human beings, regardless of appearance, taste, orientation in every single case, way, or things possible. We should all be the same. That's what I, also inside of the community. Amen. Amen, Norma Jean. Thank you for that. That really does fit in, I believe, with um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. You know, to some people, they may look a little weird. It may look a little weird to see a nun in a habit with a whole bunch of makeup and a beard and glitter and stuff like that. So really, sometimes you have to think that regardless of appearances or what you think of somebody, that everyone can be accepted for their heart. And that's really what we're looking for here. And God, we pray to you right now. We pray for the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They have been doing ministry for years. They are meeting needs. They are standing up for the marginalized. They have had weathered attacks like this before. So please give them that same strength you have given them before to endure through all of the persecution. Lord, we give thanks for Sister Roma and Sister Unity. They are the face of an organization and that means that they are also targets. So please give them extra strength as well. Yes, and we also pray for the Dodgers. We pray that you teach them how to dodge the advice of homophobes and <laughs> transphobe people. Uh, make this a learning experience for them as a team and as a league. Move them from fear to actual tangible support for the community. Make this a soul-searching process for the leadership at the Dodgers. 
and beyond the Dodgers. Help our allies to stand up for us, even when the times get hard. We pray for Lena, who is returning home, back to the cage, back to the closet. So many of us can relate to that. Give her the ability to stand up for herself when she can. Give her the discretion to keep herself safe and let her family be a place of love and support. And we close with praise alongside James and gratitude for communities and including us and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence who give us a home and our community for the outcasts. And we say this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thank you to the sisters. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you to the freaking deacon and Meredith. Thank you, everybody, for listening yes. to another episode of Yash Jesus. You can find us on social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at YashJesusPod.com. If you like the show, make a donation through our Buy Us a Coffee button. It's right there on the webpage. You don't really buy us a coffee. You kind of give us the price of a coffee. But then, look, we get to keep this show running. If you really like us, you can become a subscriber. Subscribers will get exclusive content from red carpet interviews and, and phone calls and pieces of interviews not aired before. You can be a part of the core group that keeps this show running and be in with us on a regular basis. You can find the link. And we'll even send you a picture of Danny's feet. Sure. We can do so. (laughs) (laughs) You can find the link to do that in the show notes. Now, if you don't have money, there's other ways that you could help. Please leave us a review uh, or share us with a friend. And that really helps spread Yash Jesus' message to others who might need to hear it right now. Yeah, you can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, yasjesuspod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show, so drop us a line or send us a recording on yasjesuspod.com. Send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, your episode ideas, your guest ideas, or even just us. Hey, bada, 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 swing and miss, bada. (laughs) Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Yash Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, with all the bulls. And and maybe your next foot fetish, Azariah Southworth. <laughs> Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking Deacon Ross Murray and Lady Boss, Meredith Polly. We are streaming and screaming and bada bada batting all the time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, God loves you just as you are, swing or miss. So keep praising the Lord, y'all. It'll always be a home run. <laughs>